the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. And welcome once again to the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell, and uh, we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, iHeartRadio, Simul Radio, and Simul TV. If you'd like to check out the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is Roy Heiser, and Roy is uh, a professional tour guide, and he has been one for over a decade. He has conducted the Squares of Savannah History Tour, as well as the Winston-Salem Ghost Tour. Mr. Heiser has also written several books, including Cincinnati Cemeteries, Hauntings and Other Legends, and Haunted Charlotte, Supernatural Stories from the Queen City. He also has been in several movies, including The Conspirators, Savannah, Cracker Jacks, Susie's Hope, and Dog Ears. Joining me now is Roy Heiser. And Roy, welcome to the Exxon. Thank you for having me. Uh, how did you get interested in the weird, the bizarre, the paranormal, the living and the dead? Well, uh, I guess I came by it quite naturally. Uh, my mother was very in tune to the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had several supernatural experiences uh, while I was growing up, and those were part of our family lore. Uh, my father, meanwhile, was quite the sleuth, mm-hmm. uh, quite the detective. He loved a good mystery, and so I guess between those two, uh, I was raised with it. When did you have your first paranormal experience? When I was about 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um a very dear childhood friend of mine, my best friend, uh, a guy named Michael, uh, vanished. Um, and he didn't just vanish in the typical sense of the word. He literally vanished along with his family, um, literally one week to the next. Hmm. Uh, I would go and play at his house on a Saturday morning, uh, and then... You know, we then the next Saturday he would come and play at my house and thus and such. And uh, one Saturday, I I went to play at his house and everything was fine and no big deal. And then the next Saturday, my father took me over uh, to uh, to play with him on on Saturday at his house, and he was gone and his family was gone. Everything was gone. Every right. stick of furniture in the house was gone. Um, my father, being somewhat of a sleuth or a detective, mm-hmm. um, tried to find him, looked for school records or a forwarding address or a forwarding phone number, 
and and they just simply vanished. Uh, when we got to the house, there was no one there. The house was a ghost house. Um, and, you know, I've heard several theories over the years, mm-hmm. but I, I, I've come to believe that it was something paranormal. Why? Um, because we had been best friends for several years. Mm-hmm. And if it had been, oh, you know, his dad got a new job or he's moving or he's changing schools, uh, he would have written me a letter or given me a phone call. And I never heard from him again. Never got a letter, never got a phone call, nothing. Mm-hmm. No way to track him, no way to trace him. Um, granted, his name was somewhat common, but, yeah, I've, I've never been able to find him again. But once I have no other explanation. But once again, that doesn't prove it had anything to do with the paranormal. No, not conclusively, um, but um, that's that's what I've been left with. But isn't it strange it, it, uh, if, it, if it was the family that disappeared without a trace? All right, maybe. But to have their furniture yeah. there and everything else gone as well, it sounds like it was a middle-of-the-night skip and uh, run. Uh, could, could very well have been. Mm-hmm. There could have been any number of explanations. Uh, my father went to the neighbors, and they said, you know, we were subdivision. Mm-hmm. We didn't we didn't see any truck pull up. We didn't see any moving van pull up. No okay. forwarding address. What My did, dad went to the school, and the records were just gone. What did his father do? Your friend's father. Uh, you know, that's part of the mystery. I don't know what he did. Uh, I know that the mother uh, was a medical student. Mm-hmm. And she was at the uh, the medical college. Is it possible that his father worked for the government in such a position where they had to uh, do things in a very secretive way? Could have been. You see, I'm an ex cop. I'm I'm an ex I'm an ex police detective. Like I wasn't a sleuth. Ah. I was a real detective, and I'm just trying to understand how there's a tie here to the paranormal where. Absolutely nothing that you've described in this case can be classified as paranormal. Well, that's part of the mystery. Um, There certainly would be real-world of-this-earth explanations for it. Mm -hmm. Um, He could have been in the witness protection program. Possibly. Um, Father could have been into drugs Mm -hmm. and needed to get out of town quickly. But I would have thought given uh, how good of friends we were, that Michael would have at least at, at some point sent me a letter or a phone call and said, hey, this is what's happening. Right. Uh, let, me ask, let's, uh, let me ask you this question. Do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Why? I do. Why is that, sir? Um, because my, again, my family mm-hmm. has those experiences. Um, I've watched my mother go through several paranormal um, episodes, as you might call it, and she she wouldn't have lied to me. And so I feel like that if it happened to her, uh, if she experienced something from the paranormal world, mm-hmm. then it's entirely possible that it's true. 
Have you? And, and I've had some weird circumstances myself. You know, just bizarre things. Felt so, someone in a room mm-hmm. or seen something that didn't otherwise make sense. But have you seen a ghost? I've sensed a ghost. Have I seen mm-hmm. a full-body apparition? Yeah. No. Uh, but I have sensed that someone else was in the room with me or someone else was around or something else. Um, I haven't seen a, a ghost as in a diaphanous figure before me, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but I believe they exist. What, do you, how, what, what is your definition of a ghost? Uh, the presence of someone who has passed on, whether that's mm-hmm. a physical presence that someone can see or just a sense that someone gets, a feeling that someone gets uh, that, uh, that they describe as coming from or about um, someone that they've known or seen. Right. Um, I think also you can say that a memory is a ghost. It is a residual um, after effect of mm-hmm. someone's involvement in your life. Um, someone passes on, and maybe you don't see a physical ghost, uh, but when you think about them or you remember them, uh, to me that's a form of, of an apparition. They are, they are with you. Their spirit, as it might be, uh, is with you. Why do you think some people, when they pass, remain ghosts on this planet, and others seem to go wherever ghosts go? Well, most of us that believe in the paranormal and believe in ghosts um, would attribute that to someone who died young or died in the middle of uh, their life going on. Mm -hmm. That's why you hear very few stories about ghosts of elderly people. Elderly people have lived a long life, they've lived their full life, they've raised their kids, they've done what they're going to do, um, their bodies have grown weak and tired, and they're ready to go on. Uh, at some point, they become ready to go on. Um, and so most apparitions, uh, at least that uh, happen historically, uh, happen to younger children or middle-aged people who are in the stream of life, and they're sort of plucked out from circumstances. And so that, that continuation, that continuity, um, leaves a ghostly residue. All right, Roy, stand by. You and I have to take our first break. Exxon Nation, Roy Heisman, Heiser is our special guest. CincinnatiGhostTour.com. And Roy and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue hearing the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. 
Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Roy Heiser is our special guest of this hour, Exonation, CincinnatiGhostTour.com. Roy, before we went to the commercial break, you were saying that uh, most of the ghosts, is it most of the ghosts uh, that are uh, young compared to senior ghosts that are seen? Yes, that, that seems to be the case. Okay. Um, are there any statistics to validate that? I've never heard that before, and I find it to be interesting. Uh, I can't really quote you statistics, okay. per se, but uh, the vast majority of ghost stories uh, that I've heard from people on various ghost tours that I've taken mm -hmm. um, or ghost uh, story books that I've read, um, that, that seems to be a common factor. Okay. Tell us about your, your ghost tours. And uh, first of all, when did you have your first ghost tour, and where was it? Sure. Uh, well, my first official ghost tour was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And um, I've since moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, and continuing that. Uh, but I've been giving tours, uh, historical tours, for well over a decade. Uh, but the ghost tours, uh, this is a, my eighth year. And um, w would you say that most ghost researchers or paranormal investigators when it comes to ghosts are more more historians than they are anything else? I would say that would be a good description. Um, certainly you would have to have a historical curiosity. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure other, some people have other motives, but yes, most of us are interested in the history tours. Uh, uh, history uh, behind the stories on the tours. Um, in fact, most good ghost stories lay in some sort of history as well. Um, and if not, if not history, they certainly tell us something about ourselves, about the human condition. And how haunted... Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. Uh, well, on the Cincinnati Ghost Tour, for example, mm -hmm. um, if you peel away the ghost stories, it's, it's really just a history tour underneath it mm -hmm. uh one comes away learning a lot about the history of cincinnati i was just going to ask you um how haunted is winston winston salem it's actually quite haunted uh there are a great number of stories there um they've got uh an old historic uh cemetery mm -hmm. uh, named god's acre it's a moravian cemetery uh it's set up sort of um in an unusual manner compared to most cemeteries according to their religious tradition uh, of the Moravians, and that is um, definitely an active uh, graveyard. Uh, there is Old Salem, uh, mm -hmm. which is the old historic part of, uh, of Winston-Salem, uh, and that's definitely uh, got some ghosts uh, roaming around down there, uh, including Dr. Veerling, uh, who was the original town doctor, uh, who is said to haunt his home and office. Wow. And um, there's several ghosts over in a neighborhood called the West End. What is your favorite story 
when you were doing your ghost tour in Salem, uh, Weston, uh, Winston-Salem, what was your favorite ghost story that you enjoyed telling the people on your tour more than anyone else? Probably the story of um, the two boys that were best friends uh, who who met a girl or, or noticed a girl mm-hmm. uh, that they liked very much, and she was at the woman's college uh, there, and they both caught her eye and began to pursue her, mm-hmm. and she realized that she could only take one boy's hand in marriage. And so what are two boys in love with the same woman to do uh, in the early 1800s but have a duel? Uh, And so they came to the outskirts of Winston-Salem, out into the wooded area, an area known today as the West End, uh, and they had a duel. And one of the boys won, and one of the boys didn't win. And so the boy that didn't win became a ghost right. uh, and haunt the place where they had the duel. Mm-hmm. And the other boy spent the remainder of his life feeling guilty about the duel. Uh, and then when he passed on years later, um, he too came back um, to that, that place where the duel happened. And so um, the ghostly spirits of both boys... Um, haunt that it was a it was an old barn, an old brick barn on the outskirts of town and and both both boys were known to haunt it. Wow. Now on these ghost tours that you did in Winston, uh, Salem, as well as the one that you do in Cincinnati, do people ever have an experience that that they were just shocked to have? We've had several people that were very surprised. Mm -hmm. Um, We've had people frightened. They've seen things in windows or or down an alley, um, or they've felt something come over their shoulder or a presence of some type uh, and been startled and been quite frightened. We've had several people scream out loud. (laughs) Um, We've also had several people take some very interesting photos over the years, Um, not just the usual orbs, but several other uh, types of photos that were shocking. You know, with the digital cameras today, you can look at your photos right away. Yep. And, and, and we've, we've photographed some interesting things. How do you, as, as a professional tour guide, deal with skepticism on the tour? Well, I really like skeptics. Um, one of my favorite parts of the tour is having someone at the beginning of the tour say to me, you know, I, I don't really believe any of this. Right. Uh, it's all hogwash. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my wife dragged me along, and I'm, I'm just here because she made me come along on the tour. Um, but I'm going to do the, you the courtesy of paying attention. And, and then, uh, you know, that same person at the conclusion of the tour uh, come up to me and say, wow, that was really neat. I learned so much. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to give this a second look, or or I've become a believer, or yeah, you really convinced me that you know this is this is true, and I should take a, another look at it. Um, that that's got to be one of my favorite things. I, I, I love winning over the skeptics. I guess it would be. What is the weirdest or scariest thing you've had happen on a ghost tour, uh, Roy? Well, 
Um, one time uh, here in Cincinnati, uh, we actually had a, had a lady have what I might call an out-of-body experience uh, to some degree. We, we, um, we were standing around in a bar called Arlen's Bar, mm-hmm. and uh, we were kind of out in an open area. It was a weekday night. It was, the bar was kind of mostly empty. There wasn't really anybody around except our little group. Right. And um, a lady came along out of nowhere. Uh, the way Arlen's is set up, there's no real way to walk into that open area without being seen. It's a very long, narrow bar. And she didn't come walking down the bar. She didn't come out of the patio area. She just appeared out of nowhere um, and and fell flat on the floor. Oh, boy. Arms underneath her, chair flying across the room. And, you know, obviously the bartender came over and, and looked at her and, and thought, uh, you know, maybe we should call an ambulance. And I thought it was best to get my group out the door and, and on to our next stop. Because if they were going to have you know medical people come in, they needed their space. Sure. And so the next night, you know, we saw the ambulance come, and and uh, and the next night we were back in there again. And I asked the bartender, "What about that woman from last night?" Mm-hmm. And he looked at me in all seriousness and said, "What woman? Uh, the woman who fell on the floor that kind of appeared out of nowhere." And again, he was like, "What woman?" And the one you called the ambulance on. And he said, we didn't call an ambulance last night. And, and yet the night before there had been this woman. I mean, maybe he was pulling my leg, but he seemed serious to me. Why do you think ghosts hang around bars? Hang around bars, you know, where alcohol is served. Yeah. Um, well, ghosts are really just manifestations of people. They're the spirit or the energy of people. And so ghosts are really not that different than us, except they don't have their corporal body. Um, they want acceptance and attention. They want to be included. They want to have friends. They want, they want all the things that you and I want. And so a, a bar is a natural environment for that. Um, most bars are friendly, happy places where people go to have a drink mm-hmm. and meet up with their buddies and, and have a good time and a few laughs and, you know, and, and ghosts want those same things. Ghosts want to carry on doing what they were doing. And so given the community and the friendliness of most bars, it's a natural extension. All right, Roy, please stand by. You and I have to take our news break uh, for the bottom of the hour. And Nation, our guest this hour is Roy Heiser. And if you would like to uh, get a hold of Roy, if you're in the Cincinnati area and you'd like to take Roy's tour, his website is CincinnatiGhostTour.com. That's CincinnatiGhostTour.com. And Roy and I will return on the other side of this news break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget the X-Chronicles newspaper is available for one and all with our compliments and has been since 1990. And to get your complimentary copy, which this month is 92 full-page colors, full-colored pages, I should say, visit online where you can read it online or download it from www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. 
Heiser is our guest. He is the the uh, owner and operator of Cincinnati Ghost Tour. Their website, CincinnatiGhostTour.com. Roy, before we went to the news break, we were discussing why a ghost would hang around a bar. And, and, and you brought up some very interesting points, you know, like people go to the bar to have a good time. Most bars are friendly places and, and ghosts just want to hang around and be happy. But how can they do that if no one can see them and no one can hear them? Well, I think that's why we have the classic ghost story that we have. Um, in most ghost stories, uh, a spirit is attempting to make contact. That's why you get uh, stories about, I felt a cold chill on my shoulder, or I felt someone take my hand, or I saw someone across the room. Uh, those are their attempts, because they don't have a corporal body, to make contact with us to keep that connection uh, with the, the broader human spirit going. And so you'll often hear stories of ghosts making sounds or making noises or flicking mm -hmm. light switches. Um, and I believe that those are simply attempts to uh, get a hold of us, to, to get our attention. But if they don't have a corporal body, how can they manifest an image of themselves? How can they flick on a light switch? How can they make sounds of moving down a hall or walking upstairs? How do, we, how do they do that? How do we explain that? Well, all of those things are triggered by energy. Mm -hmm. It takes energy to flip a light switch, or it takes energy to make a sound or to step on a creaky stair. Uh, and ghosts are just another manifestation of energy. Uh, what we call the spirit or, or the ghost uh, is is the is the inner energy of that person, and even though the physical body may not be there, mm -hmm. uh, the energy of that person is there. And when there's energy, you get friction, and when you get friction, you can then get sounds or light switches or, or noises. Um, and that's why often ghosts present uh, in a diaphanous state. Um, diaphanous meaning half invisible, um, because they, they can't quite, they don't have the same level of energy we have or the same type of energy uh, to, be, to be fully seen, okay. uh, but uh, they can manifest enough energy to be invisible. All right, I, I, can, I can understand the aspect of energy, but energy in order to represent a form must be contained by a form. So how does the ghost maintain the form of its, pre of its past existence? Now the human body has energy, but the clothes that are seen on ghosts and reported, whether it be a, a Confederate Army uniform, whether it be somebody from the early 20s, anywhere in history where these ghosts are alleged to be seen, where these clothes so how does the ghost, or where does the energy from inanimate objects, non-living objects, come from to manifest himself at the exact same time, the exact same place as the apparition is? 
Well, I, for one, am not sure that they do. Okay. Uh, nowhere on any of my ghost tour you know, do I describe a ghost as being fully dressed in their original clothing. Right. Um, I, I believe that a ghost is the spirit of the person, um, regardless of clothing or a hat or glasses or anything someone might wear. Um, but that's also why ghosts manifest themselves in a number of different ways. Uh, sometimes all they can manage is to make a sound. Uh, in ghost hunting, we talk about orbs a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of times um, people sort of laugh at orbs occasionally, but uh, they can be manifestations of energy. Uh, certainly they are light energy, if nothing else. And, but they're not a, a fully formed human. Uh, as as we know a human. And so an orb can float a, around in the air, and it's just a speck of energy. Uh, and it may be a speck of energy that produces its own light, or it may be a speck of energy that simply reflects surrounding light. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of a believer in orbs, uh, even though I, I realize that some people sort of laugh at them as being kind of silly. Um, but but they, are, they are a source of energy. Uh, and so if they're a source of energy, they certainly could contain uh, the remnants of someone or something. How do we know that the majority of orbs that are reported on the Internet are actually specks of energy instead of dust, moisture, or insects? Well, I think we're looking at that the wrong way around. Okay. Uh, all, all orbs are specks of energy. So the question isn't whether they are specks of energy, uh, because they are all specks of energy, mm -hmm. either producing or reflecting light. Um, it, the question is, are they paranormal? Are they the spirit or the embodiment of a person or an animal or, or something? Um, and so, like you mentioned insects, for example, I don't see why an insect couldn't have the same sort of spirit that a cat or a dog or a person would have. I'm not saying they I don't. Mean, they're, they're, they're a living being. They're, there's all probability that they would. Um, and so the question about orbs isn't, is it, is it energy? The, the question is, is it paranormal? And, how and, do I, you... and I believe in some cases it is, and in some cases it isn't. So how do you differentiate between the two? Well, that's where an investigation would come in. That's where you would need uh, collo corroborating evidence. Such as? Um, just, a, just a generic photograph doesn't tell you much of anything. Right. Um, if you, for example, have video and there's an orb in it and, you know, a car goes by in the distance and their headlights come through your window and poof, you see an orb, mm -hmm. that may just be energy. Right. Uh, but if there is another piece of evidence to go along with that video uh, that would lead you to believe that that orb is something more, uh, for example, uh, is there any audio associated with that orb? Are there multiple orbs? Does the orb transform into something? Um, are there any other, is there any other activity uh, in that house or building uh, that would lead you to believe that there was paranormal activity there. 
So what would some of the evidence be that orbs are real? Uh, orbs are actually particles of energy of someone who has departed and is no longer a human, but are now pieces of energy floating around in these orbs. Sure. Um, again, you would need some other evidence to go with it. Um, otherwise, mm -hmm. it's inconclusive. Uh, and that other piece of energy uh, evidence could be um, other sightings, uh, manifestation, um, sounds, noises, or something picked up on a, a piece of detection device. Why do you think the, the paranormal is so popular these days? Well, because I think people are curious. Uh, they're curious about humanity. Mm -hmm. They're curious about the afterlife. Um, it is an extension of a fear that humans have of dying. Um, it comforts people to know that life doesn't just end at death, that there is something beyond. But we don't know uh, that. But we don't know that for sure. Well, this is all speculation. Well, no, of course not. Of course, it's all speculation. You're you're absolutely right. It's all speculation. Mm -hmm. um, that's why we do the investigations. That's why we continue to be curious about it. Yeah, but, but doing an investigation and coming up with something that is inconclusive, what does that tell you? Well, a particular investigation may come up inconclusive, mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean that, that all of them do at all times and all places. Um, and so you have to keep you have to keep investigating and keep exploring and keep learning. So let's say the day comes that somebody out there comes up with the smoking gun that ghosts are real and that there is an afterlife. What happens after that point? I doubt that will ever happen because I rather suspect mm -hmm. that there's an equal number of people that would say that it was false, that but, it was not true, or have a different point of view. Mm -hmm. um, you know, while I believe in ghosts and talk about ghosts being real and explain why I believe in ghosts, there's someone else spending just as much time and, and energy convincing themselves and others why ghosts are not real. Um, and what is conclusive to one person um, isn't always conclusive to everyone. I've got about a minute before I have to take my next break. Would you say that the entire concept of the paranormal is based on the belief of the person who's looking into it? Yes. Yes. All right, stand A by. A lot of it depends on where you come from. All right, stand by, sir. We have to take our final break. And Exxon Nation, Roy Heiser is our guest this hour. Cincinnati Ghost Tour. Their website is www.cincinnatighosttour.com. We'll be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon with yours truly from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget two or uh, three websites to check out, www.xzbn.net www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com and www.simultv.com
Exxon Nation, Roy Heiser is our guest this hour, CincinnatiGhostTour.com. Um, you also conduct Cincinnati Cemetery Tours as well as Sinister Cincinnati Walking Tour. Tell us about both those uh, walking tours. Sure. Uh, the Cincinnati Cemetery Tour is a stroll through the Wesleyan Cemetery. It is the oldest continuously operating cemetery in greater Cincinnati. It's not the oldest cemetery, but it's the oldest continuously operating one that's still uh, open for burials. Mm -hmm. uh, it dates to 1842. And that tour is mostly a history tour. We tell a couple of ghost stories along the way, uh, but that tour is mostly about the history of the graveyard itself uh, and the history of several of the people buried uh, in the graveyard. Uh, now, the Sinister Cincinnati tour uh, is sort of a non-paranormal version of the ghost tour um, where we tell stories about the uh, five serial killers that have plagued Cincinnati. Um, Charles Manson uh, is from Cincinnati, and we talk a bit about wow. him, uh, as well as some other weird things that have gone on in Cincinnati's history uh, that, that are not necessarily paranormal. Now, during the uh, during the tour through the cemetery, has anything strange, weird, or bizarre happened to you or your groups? Uh, no, no. Like I said, that's mostly just a history tour. Right. Um, I also conduct that tour during the daytime, uh, so it doesn't have the ambiance of the night uh, like the ghost tour does. Um, but it it is a fascinating old graveyard. Okay. What is the funniest thing that has happened to you as, as tour guide on the paranormal tour or paranormal walk? Oh, well, yeah, I had a lady come on the tour one time. Uh, seemed like a nice lady. Mm -hmm. um, she, uh, she would listen very closely to, to a lot of the stories. And several of the stories, uh, she sort of pulled the punchline, so to speak, um, and <laughs> would sort of guess out loud um, what, where the story was going or how it was going to conclude. Right. And, um, and so that was, that, that was sort of different. Most people don't do that. And at the end of the tour, she comes up to me and says, um, this is a while back when I was just taking cash at the conclusion of each tour uh, for your ticket. Um, she came up and said, I, I don't have any cash. I, I can't afford to pay for this. Um, I, I didn't bring any money with me. And um, she, then she started laughing, and she had this really sort of quirky, funny laugh. And, you know, what, what, what can you do? You know, you, you can't have her arrested. You can't run her down the right, street. Right. Um, you just sort of have to do it on the honor system. And so uh, what I ended up getting paid for that tour from her anyway uh, was, was a funny story. Uh, and we've we've laughed about that several times over the years, um, how she sort of boldly came up and proclaimed that she couldn't pay for the tour, um, but uh, but she was she was funny to have along, and and uh, so we got a funny story as payment instead of the usual. How many uh, days of the week uh, do you do your ghost tour? I would do the ghost tour every Friday and Saturday mm -hmm. in September and October, uh, and then Saturdays. Uh, the rest of the year. 
And how many people uh, do you usually take uh, per tour? Well, it varies. Uh, in September and October, it can be anywhere from four to 40 people. Wow. Um, 40 is sold out. Mm-hmm. And in January and February, it might just be two people. Are you the only um, um, tour guide on the, uh, on the Cincinnati Ghost Tour? Uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a one-man show. What makes uh, what are the best qualities for someone listening tonight who thinks that they'd like to become a ghost tour guide in their town or their city wherever they are? What advice mm-hmm. do you have for them? Well, to be a good ghost tour guide, you have to be willing to give up your weekends. Um, I've tried to hire additional guides mm-hmm. and during the interview process, the main uh, issue with people is they don't want to give up their Friday and Saturday nights uh, to go to give a tour. Um, so you really have to love it. Uh, you really have to be passionate about it. You have to be a good speaker. You have to be able to talk articulately in front of a crowd, um, not get too nervous, or uh, you have to be able to tell a story in a, in a fairly straightforward manner. Um, you have to be able to handle people if they're drunk. Uh, hopefully we don't get that very often, but once in a while, I suppose. Um, or any other instance that comes up, have to be able to handle that. Um, and you have to be entertained. Um, I've been on ghost tours where the guy just walked around, pointed to the building and said, somebody died there and now there's a ghost and on to the next spot. Um, and you, you really have to be able to tell a story. How do the, um, how do the members of Cincinnati's general public um, feel about the ghost tours? Oh, very enthusiastic about it. Um, we get lots of rave reviews. Um, people that call and just ask about the tour. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the people that come on the tour. Um, I suppose there's a few people around Cincinnati that, that don't like the idea of a ghost tour. Um, they're entitled to that opinion, of course. Uh, that's fine. But the vast majority of people think it's great fun. How long is each tour, Roy? Uh, 90 minutes. And how many different locations do you visit in 90 minutes? Uh, we have 19 different locations on the current tour. Mm-hmm. And, and what is the distance of the tour? A mile, two miles, three miles, four miles? A uh, little over a mile. So it's basically in the, in the downtown core of Cincinnati? Uh, it's in a historic neighborhood called Clifton, okay. uh, which is part of Cincinnati proper. Uh, it's a neighborhood that dates to 1849, mm-hmm. and so it's got over 160 years of history. Uh, lots of uh, Victorian-era homes. It was a wildly popular area uh, during the Victorian era. What is the history of Cincinnati? Well, uh, it started in 1788 um, and was started, of course, because of the Ohio River. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a stop along the Ohio River. Um, it's always been an industrial town. One of its nicknames is Porkopolis, uh, which is a nod to the pork packing trade uh, that made many local businessmen originally uh, quite wealthy. Um, but there was also a lot of trading uh, up and down. It uh, was a major stop on the Underground Railroad uh, as slaves escaped the South and moved further north into Ohio and then on into Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 
a major stop on the Underground Railroad. Uh, it's also been a broadcasting epicenter for the Midwest. Um, and, and let's not forget had, w, let's not forget WKRP. And WKRP exactly. Yeah, exactly. What are your final thoughts for the members of the Exxon Nation listening to you around the world tonight, Ray, Roy? Well, I just hope that everyone enjoys going to ghost tours mm -hmm. and um, enjoys engaging with that history and those stories, uh, enjoys that, and comes on out and visits us at uh, Cincinnati Ghost Tour. Uh, but there's lots of great ghost tours uh, across the country. Uh, you can find them all over the place. Mm -hmm. They are wildly popular across America. And so wherever you are, you can come out and see a ghost tour. I've seen them in both Toronto and Ottawa, uh, and uh, they're great. Where can people get copies of your book? Uh, they can get it on Amazon, on the Internet, and then they're also at a bookstore chain called Barnes & Noble uh, and another bookstore chain called Joseph Bath. Uh, we've got about a minute and a half left. I'd just like to touch briefly on your media credits, Conspirators, Savannah, Cracker Jack, Susie's Hope, and Dog Years. How did you get into the film industry as well? Uh, well, that really was serendipity. Uh, I was living in Savannah, Georgia, doing a history tour, and they literally put an announcement in the newspaper for thin, thin guys with beards. Uh, and I'm a thin guy with a beard. Uh, <laughs> and so they hired me. Uh, to be an extra in that, and so they gave me an outfit to wear, and I got to meet Robert Redford and be in several scenes in, in the Robert Redford film, The Conspirator, mm -hmm. uh, and that was an awesome experience. And so I went on to be in a movie called Savannah uh, with Jim Caviezel, and I was an extra in that. You can see me in several of the scenes in that movie. Uh, and then when I moved to Winston-Salem, they were filming the movie Susie's Hope, uh, which is a movie about a dog uh, law, an animal abuse law. And so I was an extra in that. And I've just really enjoyed being an extra over the years. Roy, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Great talking to you. And Exxon Nation, if you'd like more information on our guest this hour, Roy Heiser, his website is CincinnatiGhostTour.com. I'll be back on the other side of this news as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, X-Zone at XZoneRadioTV.com on all social media sites, TV, And for all the broadcast schedules on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, one website, XZBN.net. And for the broadcast schedule of the X-Zone TV channel on SimulTV, SimulTV. Dot com. I'll be back on the other side of this break. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is The X-Zone.